Welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. Which means you know what I did today. You know what happened today. Today is the day that we learned that Dan Snyder came to an agreement to sell the Washington Commanders to Josh Harris, who is the uh, owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, owner of the New Jersey Devils. He's got Magic Johnson in his group that he is agreed to purchase this football team for $6.05 billion. Wow. On so many levels, wow. Uh, obviously, it, it, on the one hand, it all feels somewhat anticlimactic from the standpoint as, at least for me as a person who's been covering this, you know, day day in, day out, it has felt like we were reaching this point for some time. But until it's done, it's done. And it's not even officially done yet. It is not an exclusive deal. Somebody else could come in and uh, take it away from the Josh Harris group if they offer enough money and so on. And we'll actually get to one potential scenario there in a moment. But it is a day that puts everybody one step closer, the biggest step possible closer to Dan Snyder no longer being the owner of the team for the first time since 1999. And um, I had I drove in the D.C. today. I, I went from my home in Maryland to uh, NBC News' studios down, down by Union Station to do a TV hit. And I was expecting, as I was in the car driving, well, I wasn't actually driving, but as I was in the car, expecting to see, you know, random celebrations uh, down Mass Avenue or, uh, you know, by Union Station. Did not. People were just going about their lives. But t- the, the Twitter world, uh, you know, based on that, based on the amount of text I was getting from people I've known for for some time, uh, friends, family, and others, just wanting to comment, wanting to, to weigh in, wanting to um, just, you know, share their shock. And I imagine that was going on all across town. And, you know, we've got a lot to discuss here with this. And we've, we're have we going to do that on this episode. Uh, we've got Rich Hoffman, who covers the Philadelphia 76ers for The Athletic. Rich joined me to go over what he's learned about Josh Harris uh, through the years because Josh Harris owns that team and what that may suggest for the commanders. Uh, I talked to my guy Dalton Ross executive editor at large for entertainment weekly, but also a longtime commanders fan uh, from childhood. He's also one of the co-hosts of the surviving Snyder podcast, which I've been on and, and, and thoroughly enjoy. He gave us his perspective as the fan and that a lot of you are going through the highs, the, the ups, the downs. Is this really happening? Can you believe it? What is the first thing or two that you want to see from these new owners and just sort of going through some of the points that have happened along the way that have made people want to rip their hair out and, and made you question whether this would ever happen. Today it happened for the most part. I don't want to caveat this thing too much. I'm not trying to suggest that it's not going to go down. We've been discussing here for, uh, by the way, of course, if I, I'll just mention this quickly. If you haven't already yet, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you do your podcasting. Also, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. We have an insane amount of articles out right now. I have a couple, including one on priorities for a new owner, 
um, David Aldridge, uh, who the other day was on with this podcast. You can go, I would encourage you to listen to that one as well, giving us what he's learned about Josh Harris uh, from his experiences, of course, covering the NBA and talking to all the people DA knows around the league. Uh, Rich Hoffman, who I just mentioned, and my other colleague, Corey Massasak, one of our NHL writers who used to cover the New Jersey Devils. They both wrote an explainer on Josh Harris, and we have more than that. So go check all that out. But there is still some, I guess let me go walk through some of the news of the day and what is here, what, what you need to know and what is still pending to a degree. First report came this afternoon from Sportico. Uh, Eben Novi Williams, who was on this podcast recently, uh, reported that they had come to terms on an agreement. And then subsequently, a bunch of us, uh, a bunch of the different outlets confirmed the news and, and, and so on. And this has not been a surprise, right? I mean, Josh Harris has been the front runner for some time. We, yeah, in the podcast that went up yesterday, in which we did talk about some non commanders uh ownership deals but talk, i talked about the jeff bezos factor and that jeff bezos to me it always had sort of been more of a wishful thinking than a reality but considering who he is what the third richest man in the world he's a presence you cannot ignore especially if he's interested in buying an nfl team didn't necessarily mean this one but he's interested in buying one based on everything uh we, we've heard about him over time and the fact that he this earlier this week came the report that he was out the reporting that he was out cleared the path for this to take place. Now we heard a couple weeks ago, we reported that two bidders, two groups bid roughly $6 billion on the commanders. One was this group with Josh Harris that includes magic Johnson and local uh, billionaire Mitchell rails. Uh, both Harris and rails are, are, are Maryland uh, guys. But the other group, Steve Apostolopoulos is is the, the, the head of that group, a billionaire from Canada. What happened to him? Did, did Josh Harris, like, beat him out? I, I've told you before, I've questioned the idea that this Canadian group, that the bid was for real. I, I don't know the, the finances, but just we didn't have a lot of details. He's reportedly bidding on three different team simultaneously or, or looking at that so i don't know how how sincere that was except now today adam Schefter puts out a report that says hey before we all say that josh harris is the guy just know that this other group is still believes to be involved and then i did some of my own homework on this and i was given similar information that apostolopoulos believes that he is still in this mix. This was as of this afternoon prior to the news that Snyder and Harris had agreed to terms on that, that specific amount, 6.05 billion. So then as you saw that I reported as did others, that this was not an exclusive deal with Harris and that somebody else could come in. So we'll see if Apostolopoulos is still interested then we'll be curious to see, are they willing to come up any more? Uh, I, I, my sense is that the $6 billion is probably their outer limit. Um, Houston uh, Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta, who was also uh, an investor, or sorry, I should say a bidder in this, he went on CNBC on Wednesday and said that he had pulled out 
He got up to $5.6 billion, but decided, hey, to me, this is where the value is. I can't go any further. And I think that's actually about where Forbes valued the commander. So take that for what it's worth. But we'll see if there's something to this. I'm going to assume, though, that as my instincts was earlier, that the Apostolopolis group is just not going to be able to get it done. And I don't know how, you know, I don't know their their their, their finances or how much they're, if they're over leveraged or anything along those lines. But Harris has felt like the front runner for some time. And here we are. Uh, I've you know you can go back and check out some of the recent podcasts or go read my stuff on the athletic about what happens now one of my stories again today is what are the what are or what should be the priorities for this uh for for the Harris group um I talked to Jason Wright at the recent league meetings there are some quotes from from him about that in terms of um the possibility of rebranding um there's stadium talking here. There's also football talk. Now, I don't think that Ron Rivera is in trouble by any stretch uh, because if nothing else, you're just kind of too late in the in in the NFL calendar. Um, but we'll see. Uh, good insight from Rich Hoffman about what kind of an owner Josh Harris is when it comes to these bigger decisions. Not obviously he has to be involved about hiring a coach and a GM, but in terms of the day to day activities that he pays attention but isn't very hands-on. Uh, I won't say more than that. You can listen to that. But there's a lot of things that are going to be up in the air for this new group. And look, at a baseline level, they just they're, they're, if they're going to pay $6 billion, they need to recoup their money back. That That's a stadium. But that's finding other types of revenue as well. So they've got a lot of work to do. And perhaps the number one thing, not even perhaps, the number one thing beyond their bottom line is, you know, winning fans back over the ones who like my cousins, uh, my friends from school back in the day who, who who would love to tell me how much they're not paying attention to the commanders anymore because they're so disillusioned by what's happened. And, you know, they find Snyder either personally reprehensible or how he's run the team, you know, has been awful or whatever it may be. And I think a lot of those people and perhaps even some people here who have checked out to some degree emotionally may now be willing to get back in um, if Harris, uh, you know, shows, I mean, being any, be somebody who isn't Dan Snyder is enough, but show, show the competence. Don't just have people assume the competence. I think should that, or when that happens, I think that's going to go a long way towards people feeling even better than they do right this minute. Um, by the way, I tweeted earlier today, you can find it at Ben Standig that it is a big day. And I, I'm curious how people are celebrating or reacting to this. And people have been sending pictures of, drinking or hanging out with their family or whatever it is. So if you, if you see that thread, go do that now, or you can just tweet at me at Ben Standing and do the same thing as well. All right, look, we're going to have a ton more on all this because it's we've got a lot to discuss, uh, including what's going to happen going forward. But right now, we're going to get insight. First, we'll go to Rich Hoffman, my 76ers uh, our colleague for The Athletic. Tell us what it has been like covering a Josh Harris team and what might Commanders fans expect going forward and then Dalton Ross gives us the emotional perspective of a fan um Dalton's got a really funny analogy he's going through something today and uh how this Snyder news helped him get through the day so let's get to all that right now here on the standard room only podcast all right you you may be under normal times thinking to yourself why does Ben have a Philadelphia 76ers beat writer coming on the commander's podcast well 
look, I'm I, for one, it would be fun to talk about whether Joel Embiid is actually going to win the MVP or if the Sixers are going to you know make the finals. But that's that's for another day. It's because Josh Harris, who we believe is now going to be or is in position to be the the new owner of the Commanders, he also owns the Philadelphia 76ers among other teams, and therefore the, our guest here has some insight into what an ownership here may be about. He is our uh, 76ers uh, insider, uh, Rich Hoffman. Rich, what a day. What 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 a day here in D.C. I know for you, it might have just been a Thursday, but here in D.C., kind of a kind of, kind of a big deal. Uh, and it's because the guy that you've covered for several years is uh, going to be the owner of the team, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a longtime Eagles fan, Ben, I do understand Dan Snyder and what that him selling the team to anybody much less Josh Harris means to uh to the Washington DC sports fan base as a whole. So I de- I definitely understand. For me it was more of a regular Thursday but but I understand why in Washington it was a little bit bigger than that. Well, you know what's funny? It's like obviously for the Eagles and the Cowboys and the Giants these last 20 odd years I mean it's been you know it's been a good time. I mean other than a couple of moments here and there Washington has been a mess. Uh, you know, even just this year, they were the only of the four teams to not make the playoffs out of the division. But I know, like, as a fan of of teams here historically, when, you know, whether it was the Yankees or the Eagles or Duke, whatever it was, you want them to stink, but it's also way more fun to beat them when they're good. So, like, there's got to be something to the idea of everybody going, okay, finally, we, we've had enough. We, they've been a, a train wreck all the time. It's, you know, let, let, let's just not beat them straight up rather than they get this Snyder excuse all the time. It's uh, it's funny. I've been talking to different people who are fans of the Eagles and the Sixers just about this Harris thing, like him buying the team. And the, it's it's been pretty much split there. Are, I would say half of the people have your point of view on it where they say, like, it'd be nice if, like, the Eagles could play Washington a couple years in a row and it'd be, you know, two, eight and four teams, whatever it is like battling for first place in the division or whatever. There are other people who say I'd rather them just be bad for a long time because, yeah. you know, it, it's it's funny in the NFC East, even with Snyder and it's, it hasn't been a great 20 years. They did break through a couple times, win a couple divisions for sure. There's no, uh, there's no Patriots like streak in this division, but uh yeah, I think I don't know where I fall on that. It, I mean, it, it, I certainly expect them to get better, though, for sure. Well, you would you would think at least it'll become a little more stable. But that's, of course, why we want to get your insight as to what it's been like having Josh Harris cover the Sixers. Obviously, these sports are, are different in a variety of ways. You know, the NBA, you get that one guy that can make all the difference in the NFL quarterback, but it's bigger rosters and. Uh, you know, the, the leagues are, you know, the NFL is obviously the, the king of the sports world, but the NBA has got its own deal as well. But in terms of organizational stability, regardless of what the records are on the field, tell me, tell the fan base, are, are, are we in for at least normal days ahead that regardless of the wins and the losses, it's not going to be where we, 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 we are probably going to avoid congressional inquiries over the next few years. Is that a fair assessment? I think that is a fair assessment. Uh, and it's it's funny, though, saying that the guy who oversaw, I mean, the process and yeah. all of the incredible stories that came from that, whether it's your GM's wife uh, tweeting from burner cell phones and getting him fired, whether it's multiple guys forgetting how to shoot 
and just being top picks that that were pretty much bus from somebody holding out for a full year. So so all of these different things. And then, you know, I think the early years of the process were even crazier just because they lost all these games. I do think they are in for a more stable organization. And, and I do think Josh Harris, that there is something been to like, this is somebody who's learned from his mistakes. I would say like, this is somebody who I think always had a pretty good mind on how to build an organization, how to hire the right people um, and, and how to have this thing running. But I would say any mistakes that he's made, and like you said, football is a different sport. He's going to have to learn, um, you know, the ins and outs of kind of uh, being a football owner. That said, some of his biggest mistakes in the early years with the Sixers, I don't think he'll repeat some of it. Like, I think whatever transgressions he had in the early years in Philadelphia, whether it was public relations related or hiring the wrong people, I do think this is a pretty smart guy who, uh, who is going to learn from them. And, and I, I imagine it's not going to be quite as steep of a learning process for him this time around. Yeah, no, I mean that of the candidates they had, like obviously Jeff Bezos was mentioned. I don't know, really. I've always questioned how serious he really was about being involved, but whatever he's out. Um, Jeff Bezos might be the richest guy in the world by the time that we wake up tomorrow, but he's never owned a sports team. And while that doesn't mean, you know, all the people who own sports teams, at one point had never owned one, but I know I was kind of like, I would rather pivot towards the guy who's now been down this road a few times. And while I know the Sixers haven't won a title, you know, they've been highly competitive the last few years. The devils, at least for this year, feels it seems like they're back on track as well uh, versus a guy who has doesn't know. And, 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 you know, at least we should be able to avoid, I say, we, I don't mean, I'm not a we, but I just mean we, I'm, I'm counting myself among the locals of getting to having to observe what's about to happen, that at least he should not be coming in the air so green the way other people have, including Dan Snyder back in 1999. To, so it should be a probably a smoother transac- a transition than it would be if it was somebody who had never done this before. Definitely. Um, and I would just say, too, when you look at the Sixers and Devils, I don't know, like they have good people in charge, too. And he's somebody who... I don't know, like he, the way it has been described to me is that he's involved, but he's not like overly involved. I guess the way I would explain that is that he is clued in on pretty much every move the Sixers make, but his general philosophy is like, explain it to me, give me the rationale for it. And when you hire somebody like Daryl Morey, he's pretty good at explaining it. Then I'll let you do it. Um, and that that's what the the thing has been like in my case. And that's just one example of, yeah, I, I would imagine it's going to be a much more stable um, franchise. I'll be I'll be curious to see because it's um, and and I haven't followed too much of their reporting down in in, in DC, Ben. But he owns the Sixers. The other major guy is this guy David Blitzer. Mm-hmm. He's not involved with this one in DC. So the kind of the the two guys who own the Sixers and Devils. This is a little bit of Josh Harris branching out. David Blitzer is also branched out. He owns the Cleveland Guardians now. So. These these guys certainly like want to build their own sports empires. Like that is that's definitely clear. Um, and I think whatever practices that Josh Harris has learned running the Sixers, big like I would say like a lot of a well staffed organization, um, beautiful practice facility. Now, like he he certainly understands um, kind of the day to day things that have made the Sixers pretty good. Right? They, they, you're right. They have not won a title. But they win 50 games every year. Maybe one of these years they will break through. And, you know, if you're in the NFL, if you're good every year 
I think you have a better chance of breaking through than in basketball if you're like the three or the four seed. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I definitely think for uh, for Washington, just judging Josh Harris pretty critically as I, I have over the years, I, I think there is room for optimism that this guy generally knows how to run a sports organization. Well, I think that's a good good to hear though in terms of just the day to day. Because even if he isn't there, you're. The, it sounds like the sense you get is that the feel you have is that. They run a pretty good ship over there. And and I've always said this is applicable to any job anybody has. It's not just about sports, but really anywhere. The tone of the of the place starts at the top. That person, how they behave will be reflected by how other people behave, who that person puts in position to be the coach, the GM, the team president, whatever is it, that's huge as well, because, you know, they, everybody has a boss. Right. And if they're if what they're doing is acceptable which is i think part of which is definitely part of the problem here under snyder people take whatever rope they're given so i think that's good to hear that you like what the organization uh feels like um let me ask you a couple specific things i as i mentioned in the intro that you and Corey massasak are who used to cover the devils one of our nhl writers the other uh, you know team that, that josh harris owns wrote an explainer about josh harris and you mentioned in there that the Sixers are looking to get a new stadium or new arena. Hmm. Obviously that's a huge deal here. Uh, Dan Snyder was unsuccessful in getting that done as, as his last big act before all this happened. And there's a lot of questions how this would go, but what's it been like watching Harris go through that up there? What, 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 like, is he looking to get it fully financed? Is he going to pay for it? Like clearly he's putting a lot of money into these things, but these things are not cheap. So what's been the process to this point? I hate using the process to a Sixers (laughs) reporter, but what's been the process like so far from the stadium perspective? Yeah, it'll be two simultaneous, you know, searches for, for new arenas slash stadiums. If, uh, if he does, if this thing does go through as we expect it to, it's really happened in Philly over the last year where the Sixers have a lease at the Wells Fargo center, which is where the flyers play as well, that runs until 2030. The Sixers do not own that building. The Flyers own that building. Uh, And so I would say there are two things that bother the Sixers. Number one, this is the big one. They don't make any money off of it. Like they they can't have concerts, all those things. Um, So that's one of the the things. And, you know, obviously there with modern uh, stadium ownership, there's you know, there are other opportunities for kind of real estate and, and the restaurants and commercial places around it as well. So they're looking at that as a business opportunity. That's the first thing. And the second thing, which I, I think is fair, is the Wells Fargo Center. And I, I think Capital One Center is is roughly in the same uh, or Capital One. I forget what it's called. But yeah, Capital uh, One Arena. Yeah, it's like they're, they're, they're roughly the same bit. The, the Wells Fargo Center is not a great facility as far as NBA arenas are concerned. It's and look, I don't think it's anybody's fault who built the Wells Fargo Center. It's just old, and it's it's a multi-purpose arena. So, you know, when I when I go around to the NBA and see these basketball-only arenas, like I'll use one as an example in a small market like Sacramento. That arena is just way nicer. It's it's unbelievable. So to be kind of second-class citizens, even though they are the better team than the Flyers, basically over the past six seven years, and to not own the arena is is kind of a tough sell. Now they're looking as I don't know if many of your listeners know that is in South Philadelphia. That is in the sports complex where all the stadiums are the Phillies, the Eagles and the Sixers flyers all play in kind of the same square three or four blocks. Uh, It's great. It's very convenient for everybody. 
Uh, they are looking to get an arena downtown, and they, they've already started that process, even though this arena would not be completed until 2030, and that lease ends. Uh, I would say it's it's funny that this is coming up now because there was like a mayoral, uh, mayoral debate in Philadelphia about this. It is a super hot topic because they are looking to build it in Center City, Philadelphia, which is not the easiest place to have it. They're, you know, all of these teams have been in South Philly for forever. There are questions about, um, you know, what it does to the surrounding neighborhood, which is Chinatown, uh, what it does for public transit. Uh, they are fully funding the arena. They, they are fully funding it. Now, I think some of the lawmakers would argue they are kind of looking for building on a, a site that already has an existing tax break on it. I, I don't want to get too far into the details on that, but they are privately financing the uh, the building. Uh, and, you know, they have this d- developer that has basically become one of their minority owners, this guy, David Adelman, uh, who, uh, you know, who, who I think is, you know, going to be a big part of them over the next couple of years. Anyway, th- they haven't really gotten too far on it yet, Ben. They are, it's still being debated very hotly in Philadelphia, but I'd say in the next couple of years, there's going to be a decision on this and, you know, we'll see if they get it done. You know, we'll see that there is, I think whoever the next mayor in Philly is going to be a big deal, but certainly I think they understand that building an arena is not easy. And because they knew that, and no matter how nice their proposal looked, building it in a modern city is, is a controversial subject, no matter really where you put it, they got out in front of it and they started 10 years early. So we will see how they've done. I mean, it looks like it would be a very nice place. Like I, I imagine they would build it with all the modern amenities. I think they would, what, what they've done with the rest of their organization would, would say that, but there are other factors besides how nice it is, you know? So. Gotcha. Um, obviously it's interesting to hear about the, the they're going to fully finance it because independent, I mean, look, any city that is going to have a stadium built, that's obviously almost topic. Number one, beyond the location, is our taxpayers paying for it or not? I know me personally, my my stances have evolved over this as I uh, become more of a you know taxpayer uh, <laughs> as a kid. Uh, but it is an interesting conversation, and we've got a unique situation here with DC, Maryland, and Virginia weighing in. Some may be willing to put more money in than others. If some may not be willing to put in any, I don't know if DC would at this point, and Maryland at least was telling Snyder that they wouldn't. So we'll see how that goes. This is going to be an odd question considering we're talking about a multi-billionaire, but even from the pers- what you were looking at with the, t- knowing the teams that he's already has the Sixers, the devils, he's a part owner in a, in an English premier league team. And you're probably more well-versed with his other investments. Is there ever a point of saying, wait, where is he getting the money for all of this? Especially if you're telling me he's going to finance it, self-finance, you know, his company is going to self-finance a, a new arena. Good question. I mean, I, look, I think some of it, you know, obviously he's been very successful in private equity. And, you know, if you look, he was part of the not not on the Snyder level of cashing in. But I think when he bought the Sixers, it, they were worth. I think it was like, again, the, the arena was not part of it, but I think they bought them for like 250 million or something like that. Yeah. In 2011, they're worth multiple billion dollars now. So um, that's probably some of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good question. Uh, you know, obviously though, like with this bid, right. He has, what's the name, the gentleman's name, Mitchell rails. Is that his name? Yes. You know, he has magic Johnson. There are other people kind of joining him, uh, on this, which, you know, to fetch the, uh, the largest price ever for a, uh, 
for a professional franchise? It, it's a it's a good question, Ben. But honestly, he has been super aggressive pretty much all over the place. Like tried to bid for the Broncos last year. You know, he, he found a a group that was at least competitive with that Walmart group at the end. They lost out at the end. You mentioned the English Premier League. They they own Crystal Palace. They own part of it. They tried to buy Chelsea, which is like that's like uh you know, if he owned the commanders and was like, oh, no, I want to buy the Eagles or something like that. If now it's a little bit different because Chelsea's just a better team than them or whatever, but like they're just like going in between the same league, just trying to yeah continue to amass this sports empire. So it's it's a good question. I don't know the exact answer to it. Um, but you know, he, he seems like he certainly has built in sports ownership, a lot of relationships that at least helps him defray some of these costs. Right. I, I think this is probably also where the one aspect of the Jeff Bezos lurking at part was making everybody else seem like they're paupers, relatively speaking. Obviously, that's not the case. <laughs> but since we're America. all, go, you know, if we're all just going, well, Jeff Bezos can write a check that nobody can match, makes it I feel like everybody else is like, you know, looking under their couches for, uh, you know, for money. But obviously. And, and from what I knew, like the Sixers, like the Harris group, from what little I knew, like they knew that they just were like, okay, if this guy really wants to reach into the checkbook, he just has money that we don't have. When, you know, when, when you are the richest guy in America, that's the one guy maybe our group can't compete with, but ultimately it seems like they want out. Um, Let me ask you a different question. This is more on the personnel side of things, the, the, the actual sport. You mentioned before that he is a smart guy and an aggressive guy. You've got to be an aggressive guy and an outside thinker. If A, you were willing to <laughs> go with the process, and I will say on the record that while maybe it was taken to an extreme, I am 1 million percent behind the concept, especially in that sport where yeah, the Wizards have been wandering the desert for over 40 years. They're the opposite. Yeah. Because they just stay in the middle, at least they, and they certainly have been lately, you got to go to these extremes. Again, it, the process was the ultimate extreme. That's why it's referenced. But, okay, he was willing to do that. That says a lot to me, that he's willing to accept that you're going to be bad. That's interesting. And then secondly, to get Daryl Morey, as you mentioned before, like Daryl Morey, okay, whatever, maybe he wandered out of Houston because things were going sideways there. But, you know, he is basically the godfather of the analytics movement that's taken over all of sports right? The Sloan meeting up at MIT every year. He's the one that's organizing this. It brings all the brainiacs together from all sports, all, all, all throughout the world of sports. That's a huge deal. Is he getting these people because what he pay or, or is he getting a Daryl Morey? Is he, cause he's paying the most money or he's a great talker. Is he, is he willing to do the process because he is a, enough of a visionary to say, screw it. I get this. Let's do it. Is that, how do you process again? Sorry to use that. How do how do you rationalize him doing these types of things, and what could that possibly tell us about what he might do here? Yeah, it's it's an exciting question. So let's. I think even though Sam Hinkie and Daryl Morey are, you know, even though they're pretty tight, you know, from their time in in Houston, I think those hiring both of those guys required two different skill sets. The Hinkie one, which is essentially, like you said, green lighting the process, which is what Josh Harris did. Uh, I think that was just, maybe it was a little bit of, Hey, you know, a private equity guy, you're speaking his language, strip it down, build it back up, that type of thing. There might've been a little bit of that, but it also took Josh Harris to realize, Oh, this guy's right. Like this guy. And by the way, Sam Hinkie had interviewed for the job 
a year before and had told them the same exact thing. They had a disastrous year. I think they kept Doug Collins involved and, and they were bad. And Josh Harris quickly pivoted from that and said, you know what? This guy from Houston was right. We need him to execute this. We don't have, you know, any assets in terms of draft picks or anything like that. Our young players are not very good. We need to be bad for a couple of years and and have somebody execute that. Um, Sam Hickey was the person to do that. And when you hear Josh Harris talk about that, like it, it's like I was saying earlier, it's, you know, can this lead decision maker, can the person who leads the organization from, you know, an on-field standpoint, can they explain it to him? Because he will like recite what they say. And you can tell like, he's not, he's certainly no dummy when it comes to that. So that that's the first thing. Like he, he understood that getting to the bottom is where the Sixers needed. And look, we could talk about all of the missed draft picks, all of the things that they did. They did eventually pivot from the the process because it became too much of a, a PR disaster. And they, they hired Brian Colangelo, but the Sixers are a good team right now because they have Joel Embiid. That is the only reason they are a good team. Right. The reason they have Joel Embiid is because Josh Harris greenlit the process and, and allowed Sam Hickey to tank and take multiple swings at the top of the draft. That That's what happened. So that's the first thing. The second thing, which I think is, is also important. Like there is a little bit of a connection that Josh Harris likes analytical thinkers. Like I think he, he has tended to go that direction with his big hires. But the Sixers were in a bad spot uh, a couple of years ago. They made a couple bad trades for Al Horford. Getting Daryl Morey was two things. It was, number one, kind of understanding that he's quite good. And I think Daryl Morey liking the organizational structure that the Sixers built. Like, I think he he respected Josh Harris and David Blitzer for sure. Um, the other thing is he's willing to pay. He pays Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers. And he did this in the middle of the pandemic. He pays them a lot of money. And... I think as far as like, you know, I, we don't have numbers for this. I, I would imagine the Sixers kind of basketball staff. I bet I would bet that's one of the more expensive ones in the league. And they're willing to pay it. And they've been a luxury tax team the past couple of years. They ducked it this year. I thought it actually made sense for them to do that. They were right up against it. Uh, but for the most part, I think this is also a guy who is willing to spend. Uh, and I maybe that doesn't matter quite as much in football. I, I don't I don't know. But he's certainly willing to spend to build out the proper staff if he believes, you know, that they are the right people. And Daryl Morey is somebody that he, I think correctly realizes one of the best executives in basketball for a long time. Yeah, no, look, I mean, I think that's important that, you know, uh, the, in a salary cap sport, there's only so much you can do as a team. The where you can make a difference is the other stuff. And like, you know, you know, looking at like the wizards, for example, you just mentioned that, uh, that they built the Sixers built a new practice facility. I don't know anything about it. I don't know where it is, but if they paid for it, then presumably it's in a spot where they felt it was advantageous. Whereas like with the wizards, they had the, the city paid for it and let the city put it in a place that in my view is not advantageous for the team. It's not a part of the area where players are going to want to live or things like that. So it's not a great idea. And if this guy, if Josh Harris is willing to do these things and, and put in that extra money, the, the commander facilities Sort of like the way you were talking about the uh, Wells Fargo Arena. It's just old. I'm not even going to blame. You can blame Snyder to a degree, but whatever. It's just old. You got to build that. You got to build that out too. Wherever this is all going to, wherever the stadium is going to be. So uh, that's it's you know it's good to see an owner who understands it isn't just putting the money into the product that the fans see. You've got to do all the ancillary stuff, including hiring of staff 
to take it to another level. So that is good um, to to see to hear that 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 he is doing uh, he is doing that. Well, well, look, you're giving everybody a pretty fair, a pretty good impression of Josh Harris. Again, almost anybody replacing Dan Snyder would be viewed favorably, but at least there seems to be something to this uh, beyond just um, that it's not Dan Snyder. Um, even though that will be his uh, his biggest claim to fame right off the bat. Yeah, no, I I think he is generally viewed as an above average NBA owner. Like, I don't think Daryl Morey would have come to Philadelphia if. And by the way, this is somebody who I think is is a really smart guy and could work for a lot of teams in the NBA if he didn't view the ownership as as relatively stable and a, as kind of good people to uh to work for. So. Like, has he been perfect? No, like he's he's made some mistakes uh, in terms of hiring and, you know, moves, but but that's going to happen everywhere. And I think he's been pretty good at correcting those problems, whether it's with money or just, you know, smart ideas. And like you said, too, like I mean, they, the Sixers practice facility is in Camden, New Jersey. It's uh, it's right across the river from Philly. Some some of the players live in New Jersey, so it's pretty easy for them to uh, to get over there. But, you know, I think, as you know, like this is somebody who grew up in the uh, in the Maryland suburbs of of D.C. So he certainly knows the area pretty well. Uh, I'll be curious, you know, the Sixers, I know the Devils have, have done well this year. He certainly cared has cared about the Sixers more than any one of his teams to this point. I, I think this might be a bigger deal, though. And I, I, you know, I had an interview with him in 2019. And I just was like, how do you split up your time? You know, like this yeah. is. You know, you're owning a lot of teams. Now, the difference between now and then is he's not he does not have his day to day job at uh, at Apollo anymore. He he stepped back from that because of sports ownership and other things. So he does not have quite as much on his plate there. Even so, though, like, you know, with, with the amount he, he goes to a lot, he goes to a ton of Sixers games, despite the fact that he lives in New York. Um, and now, you know, owning a legit NFL team right now is like I, I'm very curious to see. uh how he splits up his time. It's not to say that I don't think he can do it, but it'll just be, you know, a little bit of uh of an adjustment for him. I mean, it'll be wild. Like if in, you know, six months, two years from now, like, you know, sports center or the athletic simultaneously, the headlines are something like, you know, Joel Embiid X and Washington commanders. Y, And they're like, Oh yeah, this guy, he's, he's going to be a little bit busy today. Um, But we'll, we'll, we will see. Well, look, I think people here are excited uh, again, it's new, but also it looks like a guy who's promising. He's from the area as well. So all that should bode well for his reception here. Uh, Rich, awesome stuff, man. I really appreciate it and appreciate the time. And everybody, as I said, go if you haven't already, go check out All in the Athletic. We we obviously have a lot of stories up about this, but uh, Rich and uh, Corey wrote about Josh Harris, a guy that they've had to cover already from their respective teams. Uh, Rich, really appreciate it, man. I hope to uh, catch you at a, at a Sixers game uh, at some point. All right, Ben. Thanks. All right. So we've now talked about the news of the day about the agreement between Josh Harris and Dan Snyder. We've talked about what kind of an owner Josh Harris has been with the Sixers, but now we're going to get to, I think what point where for a lot of you is what this day has been about, even though there's no official agreement in place, there's still some hurdles to get through and hoops to jump through and all that kind of stuff. Hurdles to go over hoops to go through. I'll get that way one day. But this is a day that a lot for it's been a long time coming for so many of you out there, including our next guest, who isn't just a longtime fan of this team. He literally started a podcast that is called Surviving Snyder 
because it, it it combined his two loves, so to speak. Survivor, the television show in which he is the leading voice on that, but also his fandom for this team and to some degree, I guess, disdain of the owner. He is from Entertainment Weekly and the Surviving Snyder podcast, Dalton Ross. Uh what 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 a time to be alive for Dalton Ross. Survivor's in full swing. You're dealing with that. Show was on last night. You're doing all your survivor stuff. And then comes the news today. I've lost track of the day. Sometime middle of the early afternoon that Dan Snyder is actually getting into an agreement to sell this team. When you heard the news, tell me your reaction. Well, let me tell you something, Ben. I I have I have COVID right now, and I've never felt better in my entire <laughs> life. I mean, people could talk about Paxlovid all they want. Like, this is the best medicine for really any illness. Whatever ails you, like, just getting Dan Snyder as far away from our football team as possible is truly the best medicine. And listen, today was great for me. I mean, like, it was probably a little similar to your day in the sense of a lot of texting back and forth and checking social media and, like, looking at the news. But you had to do it for work. Dude, I was just, like like just joyous and uh, fellow, uh, you know, uh, other survivor players that your, your listeners might not know, but you'll know like Owen Knight, who was just on this past season, a huge commanders fan, of course, Rick Devins and Brendan Shapiro, my co-hosts, and there's other people. And we're all texting back and forth and, you know, we've got gifts and we've got memes and we've got, you know, just like a lot of exclamation points and emojis. And we're just fired up, man. Cause it like, I've been that doubting Thomas, all along, right? Like I was the annoying guy that like when everyone said, oh no, it's going to happen. He's selling the team. I was like, it's, it just, it's been 24 years of misery. I, I, I just, I've been beaten down for so long that at some point you just can't even envision uh, a life with, with sunshine and rainbows anymore. And that's what it's been. And I just kept assuming he's such a, a D bag this owner, he's going to figure out a way to screw up. He's going to like, you know, get annoyed about something or just want to like, and so I just thought, didn't think it was going to happen. And I honestly would say that now for the first time ever, do I really feel convinced that he will no longer be the owner of this football team when they step on the field in week one. And it is a glorious feeling. Look, I think you have every you're you're very reasonable to be to, to be a doubting Thomas to question this. And, you know, obviously in the space that I'm in trying to figure this out, I have heard, you know, as I'm sure you were aware of what, three weeks ago or so, there was this like frenzy on Twitter. It's close. We're in the red zone. It's going to happen. Get ready. It's going to. And like I was like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I could have reported the exact same thing that everybody else did, because I'm sure we're all talking to the same people, or at least those who are actually talking to anybody. But I'm much more of a, the, the horse has got to be in the barn, the door closed, and all that stuff before I'm willing to say it is closed. Even today, having heard what I heard and you know, know knowing what I know and all these things, when I tweeted out a couple hours ago, uh, uh, hey, uh, I, this is a big day. Tell me how you're celebrating, basically. Even that, I was like, eh, should I wait? Like, should I yeah. wait until it's actually signed? But I was like, eh, I'll, it's it's a day regardless. So you're totally fair to be to have been skeptical. Uh, I, I you know I don't know how anybody else almost wouldn't be other than you're just wishing. You know, you're hoping your wishing turns it into reality, which I guess it did. 
Well, we, listen, like I, you and I are old enough to remember the last sale when Dan Snyder first bought the team and in the original, he originally was going to be a minority owner. Remember, even that whole sale was like, looked like we had one guy who was buying it and that didn't, and I realized that was a different process with the bidding and all that. So, um, but, but still like until it's signed, sealed and delivered, I just, I just don't believe it, but I kind of do now finally, like, it's just. I guess this is what I'm going to turn around and, and uh, take over your podcast here for a second, Ben, and start asking you the questions. I hope that's okay. But we like, we like when you do this. It's good. Sure. Sure. Turn the tables on you. Uh, but like, I guess I just want to ask, what is it that finally got him out? Like, I, I understand that, that there's a lot of factors here, right? And maybe it's just a combination of those factors. Was it strictly the money and he was just didn't have the money and wasn't going to find the minority owner to get him out of his hole of debt that he needed. And was, was it just that? Was it Tanya Snyder appearing on the screen at her home stadium and getting booed and then saying, I don't want my family involved in this anymore? Is it Jerry Jones making that secret call and saying, listen, we don't have your back. You're going to be forced out unless you just, you know, save a little face and sell the team yourself. What was it ultimately that is going to get him away from our franchise? It's a great question. And I think it's one of these, you know, I think everybody's going to be excited to move forward from this. Needless to say, once it's a done deal and not look back too much, but clearly there's going to have to be some look back as to what transpired over time. And I think what you just asked is sort of the ultimate question. I think for a lot of people, you know, whenever I'm talking to people who are not fans of this team, but are aware about what's going on from a national perspective, you know, they tend to focus more on what's happened in the last two or three years uh, in terms of the harassment stories, congressional investigations, things like that. Important stuff and and and, and all that, of course. From the fan base perspective, right, the football stuff has been ridiculous from almost day one, from the point he fired Marty Schottenheimer and, and on. But I think for – but you're, you're not going to – an owner's not going to sell because they don't win games. So when the – when the Washington Post stories came out and we got learned about the harassment and all all that was going on there in the culture, I think people were hoping this is what would take him down, that the, you know, the karma, the moral aspects, all the, the you know, the, the, the allegations of de- various deviant behaviors, all these things would, would do it. I said repeatedly throughout that point of the process, don't get your hopes up. Yeah, me too. The, the other owners are, whatever they have in their own closets, they are not going to worry about this as much as you would like them to perhaps do. But the money, it is what like, you know, deep throat and Watergate follow the money. And I think for Dan Snyder, the combination of they are losing revenue over the years because the obviously fans are, are, are staying away. They're losing sponsors, things like that. Uh, then he has to buy out his partners. He has to get this, you know, a loan exception from the league. He has to, he takes out this secret line of credit, according to uh, that ESPN report. And ultimately, I just don't think he had. I think the money was just getting tight. I think that was ultimately the reason. You mentioned though the Tanya Snyder part. I do think that. Ha- How do I say this? I think Dan Snyder is one of those people who is never wrong. He's not much for apologies. It is not his fault. It's not his issue. And we've seen this throughout this whole cycle of the of the of the culture in the building. I wasn't there, all these things. But the money, that's him. And then your wife getting booed like the way she did 
Um, it wasn't like he walked on the field and got booed. It was a promotion because it was uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. She right. has gone through some of her own medical uh, situations, and people booed her when she was on the screen for that. That definitely said to me, and I think to others, nobody at this point, nobody sees her as a human. They see her as an accomplice to this evil that people have, have viewed that they've been dealing with for all these years. And if your wife is getting booed in that setting, I think that's got to, I mean, you would almost like to believe that he he can recognize that. And it wasn't obviously too much longer after that when we got news that they had in, uh, reached out to Bank of America and Bank of America is going to help them explore transactions. And so, yeah, I think the combination of do you the think money- Do you think he recognized that or do you think she recognized that and said that I've always just kind of in my head assumed that she, because I don't think he can recognize anything. Did she just say like after that, like, I- I'm done. I want out. And by the way, you say you want to save this uh, for our kids, this franchise, give it to our kids. Why do you, why would you do that to them? Don't do that to them. Like you want them to be hated by like all of America. I mean, certainly all of the DMV, like that is just a terrible thing to do to your children. It's a terrible thing to do to me. I don't know. I, I don't know that he has the wherewithal to even see that, but she might. Right. Well, I mean, that's the thing, right? When you insulate yourself, like people have always asked, why does he still want to own this team? It seems like it's miserable. Everybody hates him and the booing and all these things. But if you insulate yourself with nothing but sycophants and people who tell you that you're doing the right thing, that's great. But to see your wife get booed, you really, it's really hard to, it's one thing for him to get booed, but to see that, I mean, that, that, that is a different deal. You know, when they originally put Tanya Snyder out front as going to be the face of the ownership for this team, both, you know, I was there when she was at training camp in Richmond. I think that was the last time we were in Richmond, but she was there. She's the one that goes to the owners meetings in the moment. That seemed like a reasonable thing for them to do. At least you sort of try to change the image. She goes on Adam Schefter's podcast. These Oh things. God. <laughs> right, that that was interview. That that was inter- awful. <laughs> it was awful. But like, yeah, I think to see her getting booed, it shows, look, this isn't working either. So I, I do think that both, you know, the money, the debt, and that had to be high on the tipping point list. I mean, again, it will be interesting to see ultimately what went on. You mentioned Jerry Jones. You know, I, I don't know if I think that ownership pressure from others matters to him, but sure, m- maybe he finally saw the writing on the wall that he's lost whatever support he had from others, and and, and that it was going to have to, um, going to have to be. So let me ask you this, and you can feel free to you know keep asking me questions. Yeah. But okay, so you are you have still maintained your fandom to this team. I mean, you 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 subjected yourself to talking about this team every week on your podcast. And while you guys do obviously you talking about Survivor is what people want, you talking about the commanders is what you want. And I mean that in a good way. Like you you and Rick and and uh and Brandon, this is what you guys did. What do you think it's gonna do for you now? Like mm-hmm. in 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 two months, they say Josh Harris owns this team and Training camp comes and I'm writing about whatever Sam Howe and whoever they draft in the first round and these types of things. Are you going to be like, I can't believe I'm so excited just to think about football or are you still like, you know what? I'm so feel so burned from everything that's happened. It's going to take me a while to jump back in. I think we can feel excited about football. I mean, like, it's funny, you know, we started, uh, so the, the podcast Surviving Snyder started from, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Rick Devins, Brendan Shapiro and myself, they're two former Survivor players. I cover Survivor, got to know him through that. And we had a text chain, right? And we we and and we got really excited in that that uh that playoff run. 
uh, that we made in Rivera's first season. And so we got all excited. We're texting. Did you go to the Pittsburgh game or one of the, or you went to some game? No, uh, I went, no, I didn't. I went to a game the following year in uh, the one where there was like 90% Philly fans in in, in FedEx with the railing fell. So, uh, but no, we got really excited. And so we just like, you know, let's, let's, let's start a podcast where we can just have texting about, let's talk about it and we'll put it out. And we'll talk about how much we hate Dan Snyder, but how much we love our football team, even though like we hate ourselves for loving our football team. So the fact that we were able to still be excited then, and and listen, there was there's always bad stuff swirling around Dan Snyder. I can't remember which Washington Post report came out when, but we've you know we we've always tried to be excited, even though what Ben what was it two two playoff wins in twenty three years or whatever under the Snyder two yeah the, the last playoff win was two thousand and five. No against no, Tampa, right? Yeah. Yeah. No winning seasons since I want to say 2016. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it's why would I do this? Why why? I don't I, I seriously get you hear my voice rising. It's it's because I get mad at myself. I wish I didn't care. I wish I didn't, but like you, I grew up in the glory glory era, man. I grew up in Gibbs 1.0, like you know, four Super Bowls, three Super Bowl wins. Like it was awesome. And it's, it's just, I, I, I can't, I, I, I hated one of the things I didn't really like when they, when they changed the name a few times is that I had to, I bought a few things, right? Like some shirts, like maybe a hat. And I hated giving Dan Snyder one cent of my money. That's why I don't really go to the games. Um, and I hated buying any merch because I didn't want to give him any money. So I certainly will feel better about going to a game, even though, you know, that stadium's a dump. But, like, I feel better about the team in that respect. I'm more excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, that's what's got to be so, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how people react. I mean, obviously, some people, will people, are... will people go back to the stadium, Ben? What do you think? What do you think? Like, you know, what do you think? I, I don't, I can't remember. Do we, do we even know? Do we open it at home? We don't even know the schedule yet. We don't know. So, the so, what do you think, how much just, just the ownership change, right? We're still going to be in that stadium for a while. It's still just a total POS stadium. What's the attendance going to be next season? Uh, let's just say that the team is roughly the same that they were the past few years, right? Like they're not going to go 14 and two and they're not going to go like, or whatever, 14 and three, and they're not going to go three and 14. How much do you think just the owner change helps attendance? Well, look, I mean, like if I'm the NFL and, you know, I don't know where they are with their schedule process right now, somebody needs to call those people up and say, okay, here's what you're doing. Week one, Dallas at Washington, whether it's a one o'clock or a a primetime game, that's got to be the thing because it's, you can, because everybody's showing up for that. I I don't definitively know if we're talking about a sellout and I'm not talking about the, 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 the Cowboys fans, but I just mean like, I think. I do think people will be excited off the bat. Now, ultimately, it's going to come down to the winning and the losing, right? You start off another slow start like they had the last three years. Then it gets into the people are like, well, okay, let let me wait a minute. I I still want to see a winner. Fine, I'm not giving Dan Snyder money, but I'd like to to see something more substantial than what we're seeing. But I think people are going to be excited. We have a bunch of, obviously, stories up on The Athletic today, and and one of the things I, I wrote was, What's the what is the new owner? What are priorities for the new owner need to be? The top one on my list was you've got to win fans back. But here's the key: you don't have to win them back by um, doing 
by making a, a splashy trade. You don't have to win them back by like coming up with like gimmicks to get them in the stadium. What you need to do is what you're what you will do automatically, and that is just not be Dan Snyder. Your presence alone is going to make people feel better that they can come out of hiding a little bit. And then you've got to press the flesh from there. Let them know that they can feel emotionally connected to this team again and it not be scary. Yeah. Eventually, you're going to have to win. But like reasonable people will understand this first year, it's not really going to be on th- this ownership because we're already too deep in, into the weeds here with everything, the draft that's going to happen and all that. So just don't be Dan Snyder and let people see you in person. Let them see you're not, you're a reasonable person. I think that's going to help a lot. And I think that gets people back, whether again, sell out or all fans coming back immediately. I don't know about that, but I think it's going to get people excited just because it's not the other guy. Yeah. And listen, wins and losses will come. You'll have some seasons where you'll win some more and other ones where you won't. We just don't want to be a punchline, man. We just don't want to be embarrassed to be Washington football fans. Can you do that for us? That's literally the lowest bar that we're asking an owner to clear. And he consistently could not clear it. He never cleared it in 24 years. He never cleared it. That's all we want is to not be a joke. I don't want to be a joke because I'm getting texts from all my friends around the country uh, laughing when they see a score up on the screen that says like, you know, Eagles seven football team zero, you know what I mean? Just because Dan Snyder didn't have the foresight to realize that he was going to have to change the name. So have a plan in place. I mean, anything. I just don't like, you know, people constantly sending me articles about all the, the crappy stuff that Dan Snyder's doing. I just don't want that. And, and like you said, it's like, it's so funny because in any other situation, I think we'd be like sussing out different owners and like, well, which owner do you prefer? Well, I, I like the way this person seems this or this person seems that. I honestly wasn't researching any of these guys. I wasn't because it just wasn't going to, like you said, it wasn't going to be Dan Snyder. There's no way this was not going to be an improvement. Throw a parade for anyone that buys this football team from Dan Snyder. To, so, and to your point, earlier today, you know, I'm this afternoon, I'm like trying to, you know, track down what the, the news, it was, there was constant information coming out and, you know, kind of, some of it was all over the place. And then I get a message from somebody in my company saying that NBC News wants one of us to go to NBC or wants one of us to talk to NBC News today about this. And I was like, sure. Then they're like, oh, no, we want you to actually go. They want you to go to the studio. So the studio, the NBC studio is down in like near Union Station, you know, which is not exactly near where I live. And I'm like trying to write. I got things to do. But I was like, okay. So I went and did it, and I did it with uh, Hallie Jackson, who's one of the one of the big, again, their main like MSNBC people. And uh, she starts off the 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 the, 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 hit. the hit by saying, like, okay, like she's doing a rundown. Here are the things that happen in the world today. Mitch McConnell's coming back. Diane Feinstein is uh, being pressured to yep. leave. Uh, unfortunately, there's a shooting. All these things, and then she gets to, and the, the commanders have been sold. And she says, you might be asking, why on earth am I mentioning this? Because, who, you know, why is an NFL sale here? She's like, well, it's because the owner is Dan Snyder and Dan Snyder, yada, 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 all these things that have happened, including Congress. And that's what you're talking about, that I got invited to NBC to discuss this thing is not happening. If the Wizards sell tomorrow, they are not going to bring somebody in there to discuss the Wizards or the Caps or the Nats or any of that. This guy that's why, and 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 it's you know, like you said, the punching the, the become punchy bag, and also it's just been an unsavory time in the last couple of years in particular. It's even been more than that when they had some other scandals, the cheerleading scandal from several years ago. But 
this more recent time that it got to Congress and all that. Yeah, it, it's it, it went from being bad enough to be bad on the field to be a disgrace off it is just you know too much to take for a lot of people. We we had the, the discussion. I'm, I bet you've had this discussion with people either on your podcast or just sitting at the bar at Millie's or wherever. And we had it on the podcast where I asked my co-hosts, would you take a Super Bowl victory or Dan Snyder selling the team? And and the answer was immediate. Oh, no, Dan Snyder selling the team. You would give up a Super Bowl. from And, and they're like, yeah. So then the question really becomes, how many Super Bowls would you give up for Dan Snyder to get rid of the team? We're talking multiple Super Bowls now. We're having the debate on you give up. That's how bad it was. That's how bad it was. We're starved for even a playoff victory. And we're giving up Super Bowls to get him out of town because – Without him, with him, you're never going to win the Super Bowl anyway. That's never going to happen. So, I don't know, you know. And then you you look at the whole organization. I mean, I you know, I don't know if we need to talk about Jason Wright and what's going to happen there and stuff. But it it has just been uh, you know a clown car show, uh, pretty much since he first bought the team and tried to undo the Brad Johnson trade. Right, like that's his first step as owner of Washington was trying to get rid of Brad Johnson. And then, of course, bringing in, you know, Jeff George and uh, and we all know how that went. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. It's going to be. Look, I mean, uh, we've all re- revisited the past way too many times in often in painful ways because we do it over and over again because there's always the next thing. And it's a reminder of, all right, well, things have been bad today. They've been bad for the last 20 years. And here's a look back now, at least once this is over, once there's some distance not that people will ever look back at any of this fondly by any stretch, but at least now when there's conversations about it, it can be looked back as, Oh my God, how did we, how did people survive that? How did we as fans get through all that? It's unbelievable that, that this has went on for as long as it did, but you know, uh, misery loves company, I guess. I don't know. Well, they, we've had a lot of both of those. I mean, uh, well, how do you think he views his time as owner? It's so funny because he grew up a huge fan of the team, right? So he's obviously going to view it as just a massive financial success. Just uh, that's the one thing that we can't feel good about today, right? How much money Dan Snyder made off of us and this team. That just feels terrible. But like, other than that, like, how does he, because I don't think he has a realistic view of reality. Um, so does he realize, like, does he look at the record? Does he look at like, and I'm not, just, I'm not just talking about the on-field record. I'm talking about everything else. Or does he just feel completely unfairly maligned and think he did a great job because this team is still so valuable. Although Ben, you and I know the team's value has plummeted in other metrics in so many other ways because of his leadership. Yeah, I mean, look, I think here, I think this is a good example. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, um, just because you were doing stuff and you said you're under the weather. Uh, Charles Gasparino, who is a, uh, what is he? Is it Fox? Fox business, business yeah, yeah, Fox business. So he has been one. You know, it's been an interesting cavalcade of characters who've jumped in here over the last few months, reporting on this, and a lot of the news has come out of the business side of of things as opposed to uh, the beat. Just if we're being honest. But and he's been one of these people. But he has clearly been reporting from the Snyder end. He's, oh yeah, he has told us all that he is. But he's friends with them, clearly. And as an example of that, his tweet today at one twenty p.m. breaking. This is what Dan Snyder is saying to his. He says hater, but I assume he means haters. Today, uh, there's no punctuation here in any of this, so bear with me. Today, quote: 
I bought the Commanders for eight hundred million and just sold it for six billion. Suck on that. End quote. Now I don't know if he's actually quoting Dan Snyder or again he, there's like his punctuation and grammar has been a mess throughout this. But to tweet that out, whether Dan <laughs> Snyder said it or not, but you, or you think you're speaking on his behalf that this is something that Dan Snyder would be th- willing to say. I mean, what else can you say? Like that is, uh, you know, he, he obviously has taken a lot of hits over the years, most of them because of self-inflicted issues, but just get out. Like what, what, what are we doing here that this is, if he actually said this, I don't know if they did. If he actually did, I mean, whatever, dude. Go enjoy, go enjoy your yacht on Elba. I, I'm, I'm also, Elba. I'm, I'm also gonna whatever do that Gasparino guy. I mean, like it's just I, I've, I've heard some interviews of his, and I've seen some other reporting and tweets of his, and you know, it's he's like you said it. He's clearly, you know, on the Snyder speed dial, and uh, if okay, like I, I, there, that's like you're not break. That's not breaking. He, he, he labeled that tweet breaking, like breaking news. Like that's not breaking news at all. Like whatever i mean i'm listen i i work as a reporter i know how reporting works you're a reporter you know how reporting works like whatever gasparino <laughs> yeah all right so all that said and again as we both acknowledge the horse is not yet in the barn but it's like it's like team why you gotta do this why you gotta do this but i just said for the first time <laughs> ever that I feel good that the sales going through, and now you're talking about the horse not being in the barn, dude. And I've got COVID, and now look, now you you're coughing now. Apparently, you have COVID, and you deserve it after what you just said. <laughs> well, I guess what I just mean is that it is they have not officially told us that an agreement has been signed. That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. That said, so as I said, I had a story up today. Here are the priorities that a new owner should take into account. For you, and you don't have to reference my story. I don't know if you saw it yet, but for you, what's the number one thing as a fan that you want to see from this owner? Is it being out in public, like I said, and showing people, hey, I'm a reasonable person? Is it uh, getting involved on the football side or not getting involved on the football side? Is it just focus everything on the stadium other hundreds of other topics. What's the thing for you that you want to see a new owner do when he, when Josh Harris takes over what you want to see from them? Well, first off, I haven't had a chance to read your article yet. Cause I was posting 312 different Jeff Probst interviews today, but I am oh. an athletic subscriber, a proud athletic subscriber. So I, I do read your stuff and it's awesome. And everyone else uh, should as well. For some reason they don't. Um, it's kind of what you already said. It, it's community engagement. Like it's just really getting in front of the fans and making them feel good about being a commander's fan again and, and supporting this team, not just supporting as they win, but like realizing that there's actually a decent human being at the helm. That's going to make you feel good and not embarrassed to wear commander's gear to say, you know, you're either from DC or a, a fan of DC football. And that I think is the most important first step. Um, I know the stadium's a, a, an important deal. I and listen, this may be because I don't live in DC. For those that don't know, I grew up in DC. Uh, went to St Albans School. My mother still lives in DC. I'm down there, but I, I'm I'm up in New Jersey and work in New York. 
but stadiums for football to me are not as big a deal because it's not like baseball. You're not getting 81 games. You're getting what, eight, nine games. You're certainly not getting playoff games if Dan Snyder's your owner. Right. So, you know, the stadium to me, it's like how many games are most fans really even going to anyway? So that that's not as, as big for me. I understand there's community development and that does help with community engagement. I'm not sure. discounting it. I'm just saying to me, that's not top of the list. It really is just getting out there. It's It's PR. Ben, I think PR is really important for an owner. I would normally say it doesn't matter. You brought up the Wizards example. If there's a new Wizards owner, I don't need to see them out like, you know, like uh, at, at at the mall and and you know, cutting uh, with giant uh, oversized souvenirs, scissors, cutting like ribbons and doing stuff like that. I don't care. In this case, I do. I think we need a a, a new face, a changing the guard. I think it's really important. That's the first thing I think they need to do. We don't know, I mean, what Magic Johnson's role is going to be other than, like, he is part of the group. But because it's Magic Johnson, you almost have to assume they're going to have him out there in some sort of, you know, press the flesh standpoint. And you can't literally have anybody better to no do one better. that job than, than that guy. Uh, obviously, he lives in L.A. and he has got a hundred other businesses. But you would imagine that that will be a coordinated thing at some point. Uh, just, like... Again, as a fan, I mean, I don't know if you were a Lakers or a Celtics Bulls guy, whatever, but like Magic Johnson, like I said, I mean, I, I as a kid of that era, I'm, you're going to tell me I get to ask Magic Johnson questions about it, the commanders is crazy. It's amazing. So every kid of, of our Ben and I are roughly about the same age, every kid our age in like, you know, the uh, early 80s. You were a magic guy or a bird guy. This is kind of pre Jordan. Jordan was in college at this point and stuff, but like it was one of the two. And Ben, I cannot tell you how many basketballs I threw into bushes attempting no look passes because I was trying to be like Magic Johnson. Yeah. Uh, just ridiculous. Hitting people in the face, just like just throwing to the other team, all because of Magic. I was a huge Magic fan, like huge fan. Um, and so I'm so excited, even if it's just minority owner. And even as you said, I don't know how often he's going to be in D.C., but it's it's great. He's got the million dollar smile. He's so magnetic. I've been in the same room with Magic Johnson before. I've seen him do it, and uh, it's awesome that he's that he's uh, seems like to be part of this team. And I would do everything in my power to try and get him to uh, you know at least uh, at the front end be around as much as he can. Um. All right. I've saved the most important question for last. Mm -hmm. Are you going to change the name of your podcast to Survived Snyder? It's so funny. Like we were, we talked about that on a new episode that we recorded right before I jumped on with you. And and we haven't really like we've danced around it like the three of us. Like uh, JP Finley uh, says we should definitely keep it. Um, should we? I, I said, here's what I said on our pod. We have three choices. We keep the name Surviving Snyder. We come up with a brand new name. Or we literally just killed the podcast now. Like we did it. We survived Snyder. Like with, with mission accomplished, podcast over. You know, uh, this is just something we do for fun. Like it's not part of our job. I have a different Star Wars podcast called Dagobah Dispatch that I do for my work at Entertainment Weekly. That's part of my job. This is just three knuckleheads talking about football. So uh, stay tuned on that uh, and we'll we'll see what happens. What What's your vote? What's your vote, Ben? What do you think we should do? That's a, well, first of all, you should definitely keep the podcast. Like at a minimum, if time is uh, is an issue, I get that. But like, you gotta go. Th you gotta enjoy the first year yeah, of, of, of of what experience life without it, and share that with the people who've been who've been along for the ride. On the other on the other side of things, 
Uh, plus, I mean, just to be honest, like you guys talking Survivor, you know, for me is a, is a, is a treat in and of itself. But the other component, I don't know. The name thing is interesting. Like if we're talking like SEO type stuff, I'd probably say leave it. But if we're talking, like, nah. fun, I mean, it is like you know, it there's it, it something to uh, changing it. But yeah, I, I, you know, look, Surviving Snyder still works. I mean, look, it's uh, I tweeted out. Oh, Kevin Sheen earlier today tweeted out basically like, how are people going? How should everybody celebrate this news? And I jokingly tweeted back at him, buy all the beat writers drinks and shots. <laughs> and then I had a former employee text me when he saw that and said, um, what about us? I was like, oh, no, you guys get therapy. Well, <laughs> I feel I, like, you know, yeah. uh, I don't know how you do it. I honestly don't know how any of you guys do it on, on this beat. Seriously, the, the stuff you'd put up with. And I will say this for our podcast, even though I have COVID, I couldn't help it. I'm holding up the can so you can see it now in our little Zoom. We all were drinking beers uh, when we recorded today in celebration for, for this happening. So it's, uh, I, I don't know, like, I mean, you know, it's funny because I know people from the outside might think, oh, you know, these people like Standig and JP and Kime and these people have been covering the team for a while. Like, they must love that they always have something to write about. There's always something happening. But like, it's a circus, man. It's like, it's a circus. And like the last thing you want to be dealing with on, I'm going to make this up now, like a Saturday at like 9 PM is some new scandal report or something horrible. That's not fun. I know this from my job and working in entertainment weekly, there's stuff that's fun to write about. And there's stuff that's just like a drag. And yeah, maybe, uh, you know, they measure things in page views and sessions now, and maybe it'll do well, but it's not fun to, to work on. And I, I, I so I, I, I'll, I will buy you a drink, uh, whether it's, whether it's cactus cantina or Surfside or, uh, Millie's or wherever we're going, uh, next drinks on me for you, Ben. I, I appreciate that. All right. Go follow Dalton on Twitter at Dalton Ross. Go check out the surviving Snyder podcast. See how he Dalton and the other two guys, uh, discussed this moment that so many people obviously, did not think what happened. And of course, also go read Dalton stuff at Entertainment Weekly. Uh, get those page views up. And if you're a survivor person or a big brother person, you obviously are already doing that, or at least you definitely should be. Um, my guy, I appreciate it. Congrats to you and and the others out there who've waited for this moment. And uh, you know, like I said, we're we're, we're, we're feeling confident about it, but uh, we'll wait for, for it to go from an agreement to a signed agreement and then you know, maybe maybe you can even relax a little bit more. I I hope so. And Ben, thank you. Always a pleasure to chat and you uh, go relax uh, with your cat now. (laughs) Deal. All right. Busy day, busy day. Thanks to um, Dalton Ross. Thanks to Rich Hoffman for their time. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. You know, I, I, I still maintain let's, let's, let's wait for the deals to get signed. But based on what I know of how things went down today, I think you got to feel pretty good about where everything is with regards to Dan Snyder ultimately selling this team to the Josh Harris group. And it's it's a beginning of a new era, or will be when that happens, and the end of what has been an exhausting era as well. And I think these two things can be for those who are who who were the want who who are the kind that want to do this. I think they both can be celebrated: the end of one, the beginning of another. Um, definitely were points over the last 20 years I did not think this would happen anytime soon but it did we think <laughs> no we did. It did we're feeling confident okay that's it for now 
Ben Standing signing off. Until next time.